Alright, how is everybody doing? Welcome once again to another episode of Free Markets Green Earth. I am Nikki P, here as always with my good, good friend and co-host, Tits McGee. What's up? Otherwise known as Ben the Liberty Hippie. How are you doing there, Ben the Liberty Hippie? I'm good. I'm good. I put a shirt on to do this. So I I told him that perhaps our fan base didn't want him to have a shirt on. He said probably was not the best choice. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, maybe, maybe some, some freaky deaky out there, but uh, probably not. Well, it'll be what it'll be. So we, we have an interesting one today. When I was scoping for topics, I found, believe it or not, a really good article on NBC News' website. And I know as shocking as it is to most of our listeners, it was a genuinely good article. And it kind of coincided with a lot of the thoughts that I've been having going on. You know, the biggest thing post-coup that I've had to deal with and think about is the, the, the garden in the backyard and how to maximize it and how to do the most I can to be as... to have to think about the general food production in our country as little as possible. Like we've been looking at local farms and trying to get in touch there, see how the different CSA programs are working, things like that, you know, in, in an effort to make ourselves more self-sufficient or at the very least not not uh, at the whims of the the big corporate interests. Yeah. Do you, have you yourself kind of gone down that road a little bit more, Ben? I mean, it's, to a degree, uh, we, we've been trying to get down that road anyway. Like we're yeah, we're already trying to get down that road, and so it was kind of like, you know, not that big of a deal. There's still reassuring that you were doing the right thing. Yeah, and there's still some stuff, you know, like uh, we want to do more more meat animals, like bigger, you know, red meat kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of on the on the docket, but at the same time, it's you know bigger stuff and harder to to process and deal with but you know i went to the store the other day to get uh i was lo- looking at beef and, it, and it's doubled in price you know and i'm just like i i can't, I can't do that it's absurd get out of here so you know if you have it on hand why not yeah so you know this is something that obviously we've both been kind of going through in our lives and dealing with the changes in the food system uh you know for us like we've never had a garden before and we turned our entire backyard into a garden you know we're starting to plant some trees and some larger containers and hopefully like they'll you know the blueberry bush will will work in a large, yeah, <laughs> large container. But, you know, there were a couple articles that I don't think people think about when it comes to this. And it's, it's about resources. It's about resource management and how resources get used and spent. And the first article I sent you today was about uh, the manner in which the couve has affected endangered species. And that basically the governments don't have as much money to spend on keeping poachers from killing the monkeys. <sighs> So, you know, failing at a job that they were tasked at because they only have resources enough to do certain things. And, you know, the monkeys are really important until, well, they're not. Yeah. I, I, uh, God, I don't know. It, it's just the, the, that article, like, was, it's just, it's so absurd. But it, I think it might, it made me unhappy, upset, annoyed, whatever the word is. But I think it's more to do with, like, overreaction to the coup than, than anything else, really. It was just like, man, you know, t- talking about how they're devoting all the firefighters to keeping people safe with, with the coup, and so they're not able to put out fires in the rainforest. I, I just find it hard to, to buy. Um, and much uh, much like always, I'm always saying the other she's going, yes, notice all of government's failures, everyone. Notice that it cannot help you. It can do you no good. 
Yeah. Even when it does you good, it just means that at the expense of something else you wanted to do, and you'd be better off deciding which of those things you wanted to do yourself. Yeah, and, and that's what it's boiled down to out there in, in the rainforest, right? It's the uh, it's the the native tribes, it's the local tribes that are are putting out the fires, that are trying to keep the the poachers and the loggers out. You know, it, it falls back on them anyway. <laughs> so <sighs> that was it was a short article, but very quickly after it, it got me. It gave me another article, which was kind of like the core of what I wanted to talk about today. And the article is, as the COVID pandemic strains supplies, Native Americans fight food insecurity. Now, everyone's fighting food insecurity, I guess, and yeah, and what's going on right now. But I do realize that Native, Native populations do have a certain different set of circumstances than everyone else has, mostly because of their culture combined with how they've been treated historically by the country itself. You know, the weird legal status of their lands and things of that nature. And we've kind of, in many ways, infantilized the Native American populations in our country and kind of made them dependent on government and taught them that they have to rely on it for... God, we seem to do that to a lot of populations. Is is that the ultimate goal is just making sure everyone believes that they need government to take care of them? It sure seems like it. Uh, I mean, it really, it's just when you, you you look at it all and and that's all we're doing right now, you know, with this whole COVID thing and, you know, you got the coup and now you got the the pig flu coming along and, uh, you know, we're primed. People are primed to suck the boot and just do whatever, whatever I'm told because of something that may or may not hurt me. And there's a very good chance that it won't bother me at all. And here we are. I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry about all this nonsense. It's been boiling me up. As rightfully you should be. Trust me, I'm not exactly excited about it. So I'm reading this article and, you know, it's just, it's going on to talk about, you know, I, I, have you ever, you ever been on an Indian reservation? We have a lot of them in New York is why I ask. Yeah, I think when, when I was in college, I think we would sometimes, like, there might have been a few trips to to the res to pick some stuff up or to pass through. Because they were, it was a weird situation where they, they actually owned land on either side of the St. Lawrence River, I believe. And so some of it was in, in Canada and some of it was in New York. And um, so it's an interesting situation up there. But there was, there, there was a lot of uh, reservations around there. And, and that's one of the things with this article that gives me a little bit of pause just to talk about is because I, I don't know exactly what life is like on the reservation, right? We have all these pictures that are painted. You know, the, the stereotype is that it's, it's pretty destitute and um, there's nothing good that comes out of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm operating under that lens. So I, I actually grew up minutes from a an Indian reservation. Like my, my hometown has an Indian reservation for the Seneca Nation. It's the Oil Springs Corners Reservation. Literally right there. It's, there's like three mm-hmm. gas stations. Everybody goes and buys their gas and cigarettes there because yep. they don't have New York State taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> but one of the things you you see up there is that they they're, they it looks like you would expect like Section Eight housing to look like in in like a yeah a broken down hood kind of neighborhood, and it's frustrating to see people living this way. But it's also frustrating to that they've essentially been told by society that they have to live this way. They have to rely on the government, and when you rely on the government, that's what government provides you, not much. 
Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it's tough, right? It's, it's really hard because like, that's, it's not just what you've been taught. It, it's what you've been shown. It's what you've been allowed. It's what you've been forced into, right? You look at a reservation. What is a reservation? These people have been forced to live there. And, and when you're forced to live someplace, like you can't necessarily do the things that culturally you might've been doing before. You know, that is let's face it. When, when they put the reservations together out, out West, it's not like they put them on prime land, right? Yeah, exactly. They put it on the stuff that developers didn't want already. Right. So you're already, you know, set back. And so, you know, maybe, maybe they want to do some of this stuff, but they actually, they can't because the land won't allow it and they have no other option except for, you know, maybe some missionary type stuff or government stuff. And sometimes it's no better one way or the other. Well, and what's really interesting is that, you know, we're not talking, we're talking about cultures that have a long tradition of, you know, planting foods. Like, yeah. You look at our, even the American story, it's about, you know, the Native Americans providing us with the bounty of their harvest and the way that their traditions grew out of the soil in America. And as we've moved into societies and we've kind of collectivized into larger and larger megalopolises and we've centralized our food system so much, the culture of that has gone away for sure. Even if like, you know, what we did to their cultures, notwithstanding. But the one thing that I'm excited about, and this article kind of points it out, is that you have, at a certain point, I think everyone reaches where they, they're no longer going to wait for government. Right. And I'm glad to see a lot of people are kind of hitting that point both, you know, in, in the non-native populations mm-hmm. and, you know, in the, the standard modern culture. And it's because if you wait for government, help may never arrive. You may not be a priority. They may spend that wealth on something else, like, say, bailing out mega corporations, as they <laughs> have done with every round of the stimulus. No. They, you look at some of the biggest recipients of federal money throughout this whole thing, and it's fucking disgusting, which includes Walmart, folks, because they really need it. <laughs> it is a sickening. It's really tragic. Think think about that. The, the Fed now owns Walmart. Here we go. Here we go, folks. It's coming. Exactly what Tom Woods always warned people about. <sighs> the Hall of Walmart CEOs replacing the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> Your, your kids wake up, they go to school, and then they're forced to look at the history of all the Walmart CEOs. I, you know, I, I do. I, I, I like this article. I think it's a, it's a kind of a unique take on things. And I hope that, you know, you, you do people, as a, this, like, I think this thing is forcing people to pick a side, right? You're either going to go on the side of, of being more reliant on yourself and, and less trust in the government, or you are going to go to the side where we need to give everything to the government. Well, getting into this, one of the things that they're definitely too keen to point out, and this is probably why the article is really written. It had less to do with the coup and other stuff. But in 2010, the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture reached a $680 million settlement on a class action lawsuit that said the agency engaged in in discriminatory lending against Native American farmers for nearly two decades. Those farmers said they received significantly fewer loans and more onerous terms than were provided to white farmers. In response, the USDA said it's committed to resolving all cases involving allegations of past discrimination by individuals. Who knows why that that discrimination occurred? Yeah. But the point remains: this is if you rely on government, that's what you get. It's it's um it's striking. Two thousand ten. That was that was ten years ago. Like this is not something that's old. This is something that's going on. You know, there, there's people that are alive and well that went through this. That that the government slighted them some way or another uh, to the point where a, a court would say, yeah, okay. And for the I, I don't know when the, when a court rules against. Uh, Federal government, there's got to be something there. 
Uh, they, they don't do that too often. So it's a double-edged sword. I think, you know, honestly, like, yes, Native American farmers, for uh, they receive significantly fewer loans and more onerous terms. I'm not going to say that it, that's necessarily a bad thing either. You know, it, if they're going to prevent you from from taking a loan out, uh, there's probably a chance that, you know, some of those loans are, are you wouldn't want to take them in the first place. You know, just because there's money to be had doesn't mean you want it. It doesn't mean you want those strings attached. You see that with the, the IMF, the World Bank, and the, you know, 2008 housing crisis. I mean, we, we've seen it time and time again, so... God, do we, we 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 really should do an episode on like uh, on the on the book uh is it the confessions of an economic hitman yeah. just because god that factors so deep into like yeah. the, the the global <laughs> environmental situation just those the giant money cartels and how they basically their entire goal is to centralize food service in ways that makes countries dependent on them for food. Look what happened to Venezuela. Venezuela put all of their chickens in the oil basket. And what happened when, when there was a hiccup? Yeah, no, no good. I, I, I feel like there's a, there's a quote out there that talks about that. Um, you know, it, 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 having people on the hook for food. Like there's a lot of things you can take from people, but when you take your like their food from them, like they, they won't fight. Right, that, that's like well, that, like look at Afghanistan. Yeah, get them all grown poppies because they're profitable. They stop growing their own fucking food. Yeah, like it's 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 literally. I mean, it is. It's at this point, it's a it's a trope. Yeah, of what we fucking do to other nations. Are you, are you saying they do this on purpose? Yes, one hundred percent. That's that's literally what they're there to do. Decentralized Revolution is a new podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Our goal is to revolutionize the LP by focusing on Austrian economics, radical political decentralization, and by supporting strong local candidates. On Decentralized Revolution, we talk about these ideas in long-form interviews with the most interesting people in the libertarian movement, people like Dave Smith, Scott Horton, Maj Touré, and Jacob Hornberger. If you're ready to take human action with us, check out Decentralized Revolution. Hi folks, Dan Reed here, the host of the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. During the show's tenure, I've spoken to celebrated authors of baking and economics. I've chatted with bakers and chefs and libertarians alike to introduce you to people who provide a mix of ideas to build your skills in the kitchen, as well as tempt your appetite toward liberty. Type culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts into your browser search bar and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. I look forward to hearing from you. Um, I did find it amusing that one of the people mentioned in this uh, this article was from upstate New York. Yeah, up on the, the Aquasasin. That's, that's the reservation I was uh, talking about. It's amusing to me in that I, I feel like we kind of just grew up in like almost an idyllic environmental place. Like there's something just amazing environmentally about our state. It is not not necessarily downstate. When you get upstate and out western New York, um, it is. It's so different. You know, it's so it's unique. I mean, you think about like you know all the pla- all the places that ignore the city. The Adirondack State Park. I mean, like it's it's the biggest one. You know, this side of the Mississippi. It it was like the first one of the first ones, if not the first. Um, it's just it's crazy you know and people you hear new york and you think city but you go up you know to the tiny tam- tiny hamlets up up north and out west and you know it's a different place when I went to college and I'd say I'm from New York, people just assume that you're from the city. And you're like, no, I've never seen it. I grew up eight hours away. Yeah. I, 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 when I moved down here, that's always a disclaimer, right? From New York. 
like uh, like six hours north of the city, four hours north of the city, somewhere in there. Got to let people know I'm not I'm not one of those. Not one of those. Well, it was one of the things we were talking. If you if you listen to our episode of uh, Peace Freaks with Anthony Samaroff's brother, um, we we're talking to him kind of about like the geography of our America versus. He's like he's like, well, I feel bad that I'm not like more well read on American geography, and I'm like. I really wouldn't be like upset about that. Like, there's a lot more geography to America. You guys have a yeah, far smaller sure. place to be. To like, I could be much easier for me. You know, and I'm like trying to give him like a sense of space. And it's like I can drive all night across one state here. Yeah. But but that's because people forget that each state is essentially supposed to be its own country. Like we've we've morphed the idea what things are into something that they never were intended to be. Mm-hmm. Which must I think people also forget in like the the taxing situation, like how we do taxes here. Like I think people forget like how overtaxed we are because we have two separate levels of government above us as opposed to, you know. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it is. It's, it's you're paying the state and you're paying the Fed. And, you know, I don't think people realize it sometimes how much actually goes into it. But. If you have county property taxes, do you have yeah. local taxes? Like, it just it, there's there's more layers of government here than anywhere else in the world, which is a little, I think people just aren't used to thinking about it. It's like if you paid a Europe tax on top of your, your German taxes. Yeah. Does, does, the, uh, does the EU charge tax or is that just absorbed by the... As far as I think it goes through like the trade and all that stuff, like you absorb okay. it through through what you purchase and like what you buy. Right, right. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm not an expert on their economy. <laughs> but it was something that interesting that I noticed. I did want to want to put a shout out that they said uh, there is an organization on here. There's a, a couple of them. There's a handful of them. One of the things they were seeing was like the, the, being a problem is just the generational divide. Yeah. You know, the younger people not understanding how important farming can be because they haven't lived in a world where it's been important. But while that all is going on, you also have uh, – so there's something called the Traditional Native American Farmers Association. And essentially it's like a seed bank yeah. specifically for Native American farmers. One of the founders was – uh, let's see here. Clayton – Brasco. 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 However you want to pronounce that. You know, out of the foothills of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains of New Mexico. You know, and he's been doing this for four decades. But they said over 200% increase in the seeds going out. Normally, they're sending out like little packets of seeds and they've been sending out like... Mm boxes of seeds this year yeah it's it's uh it's impressive and it's it's nice to see you know like people are more interested i think that means people are learning they're seeing what it is the the writings on the wall and that's that's it like i some of some of the 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 seeds and the crops that are out there that we don't know exist, you know, like, or that exist only in a small pocket. You know, one tribe has kept it alive for however long, you know, there's a a squash that I grow down here. Everything else just dies. The squash beetles get it and sucks. And like, there's one that I can grow down here that, um, was cultivated by Cherokee tribes in, in, you know, Northern Georgia. And, and so it's survives in this environment, you know, that's where it's, it does well. All those things are there and they exist and they were here long before we were. And, you know, to have all that knowledge, all that wisdom, all that, you know, information lost, um, would be, would be tragic. And, and seeing these people, the, the seed banks do this sort of thing is, I, I love it. I will say that, um, they showed a, a picture of the box going out and, uh, man, 
you've ever saved seeds, that that is that is I don't know. It, it makes my head hurt. It makes me it's just a, a bag of seeds, and they're all just tossed in there. And if you want to plant, I mean, you, are, are people going to sort that? If you want to save seeds, you're going to have like I see I see at least two types of corn seed in this bag. You know, there's a couple different squash seeds I can make out. Like that's bad news, man. That's bad news. I know I know saving seeds is like the next step beyond like you know growing your stuff, but. Mm, I don't know. Well, what, what get into it? What, why is why is it bad news? I I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. let's educate our listeners, bro. <laughs> If you got the ability to. Like if, if these people are going to try to save their seeds so they can grow them next year, they need to be pure. You can't grow, you know, the same type of vegetable next to it. Like you can't grow three types of corn next to each other without cross-pollination happening. Squash is the same way. There, and, and there's other things like I think there's beans in there. And and beans are generally speaking pretty okay. They're, they're pretty much self-pollinated. You know, the before the flower even really opens up, the, the pollen descends and... and so there's not much cross-pollination that can happen there. But some of these other things, it's just like, man, don't do not do that. Don't do that. Not to mention, I mean, imagine planting that. Say, I want to put my corn over here. I want to put some squash in between. And you got to go through and like sort that all out. It's just in, in different different times that things ripen. Not all corn takes, you know, 70 days. Some might take longer. So, you know, it just kind of... <sighs> but they're seeds. They're seeds that are getting out. And that's that's the first step. Well, that is the first step. More than anything, I'm excited that people are learning. We've been hearing a lot about the increased level of saving just in general amongst mm-hmm. Americans. Yeah. You know, in the uncertain times. So even while the stock market's freaking out, apparently some people are saying, maybe I should just not be spending everything I get, which unfortunately makes the government want to spend more to try and ramp up people's spending because, God, they need to get that economic activity. But, you know, when you're misinterpreting economic activity as spending, then I guess, what are you going to do? Yeah, not much. much. I guess I don't know. I don't know, man. To, to be clear, uh, you know, as a capitalist, folks, economic activity is not good just to spend, spend, spend. Saving is part of that process. In fact, perhaps the more important part of that process, because saving is how you choose better things to build and better things to make and better ways to use that money. Just blowing it willy nilly on whatever you can. It's just a stupid thing. Not to mention the system is kind of set up to propel money towards the people that it's set to propel it towards. doesn't matter how much they stimulate into the economy. It's just kind of going to float where the laws and the system pushes it, which, by the way, is typically giant megacorporations now. Yeah, it is. It's it's a sad state. And and hopefully, you know, things are kind of... So basically, if you were to give every American like $5,000 right now, within a month, Amazon's going to have all of that. Most of it, yeah. And then no American is going to be ahead. Yeah, but that's that's what we're doing. We're stimulating the economy. It's, I don't know, like in the whole like stimulus thing and like, it's just absurd. You know, we're going to give people $1,200 and that will cover your expenses for however long, like. I don't know, man. That, that that doesn't cover a whole lot. Like you know, you got a homeowner's insurance come due. Um, eh, it's not going to cover it. You know, you got to buy food for five kids. Like, I mean, I'm the sucker over here. My boss asked if I wanted laid off. I said no. Yeah, you're making more collecting that unemployment. All of my friends make way more money than I do right now. I've been busting my ass outside the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked at all into the uh, the the next stimulus package they're talking about, but they they keep saying that there's some work incentive involved in that. So who knows who knows what nonsense that means? But uh, you have to go work work at the post office or the some sort of state sanctioned job paving roads. Hopefully. <laughs> so uh, at any rate, 
I guess the moral of the story, folks, is from my perspective, do not rely on government to take care of you because you're going to be waiting a long time. Maybe it'll maybe it'll be quick. Maybe maybe it will take forever. Maybe it'll just never come. The the best choice that you can make is take the steps to help yourself. Because if you're relying on yourself, please look into the private organizations that are out there that can help you, like this, you know, the seed organization we talked about today. If you need, ever want help, please don't be afraid to contact us. I'm, I'm sure we can yeah. point you in some directions. Believe it or not, while they try and paint a horrible picture of capitalists, most capitalists aren't uh, evil corporate overlords. Typically, those people uh, <laughs> are really into governments. Yeah. Helping them out, helping them keep that billionaire status, that uh, megacorp status. I mean, Ben's got that. Ben's got that Jesus thing that like requires him to help people and stuff. <laughs> yeah, isn't that like the whole po- point of what you guys are there for? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's yeah, it, it, you do right, and, and you do, and I don't know. Sometimes it's it's monetarily, and sometimes it's it's not, and you know, if doesn't always have to be be money. It be many other ways that we can help each other, and and I know I've heard you personally offering to send people seeds for months now. So yeah, yeah, I have, I, and I, I got some coming. Now I got some some corn that's just about dry and ready to be seeded, shelled, shilled, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Can't remember the word. But yeah, yeah, I got some stuff. We uh we started growing some asparagus this year by our garage. Nice asparagus is one of those that I, I miss down here. It's it's too hot. I have a neighbor who's trying to grow it, but it's just it's too much. Well, theoretically, it's supposed to like once you start growing it, it starts multiplying. And yeah, well, I I grew some um. When I was a kid, we, uh, my dad and I would go, go pick, um, go dig up the, the wild asparagus on the side of the road. And, uh, yeah, we built a pretty sizable bed and it's, it's doing well for him now, you know? Um, so I, I enjoy eating asparagus. So I'd be excited to have some asparagus growing in our backyard. It's good, man. It's good. And it's expensive too. If you try to buy that crap, forget it. Yeah. So. Like I said, I mean, for us, like, uh, permaculture is the end goal, but right now we're just going to kind of grow what we can. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I've, I think I've said it before on, on my pod, you know, you, you don't, you don't wake up in, you know, permaculture heaven. You don't wake up in the middle of a homestead and all your food on the table is yours. Like it's, it's little steps, it's little things that get you there and, you know, you wean yourself off of things slowly and surely and, and you'll get there. And then you turn around and look back and say, holy crap, you know, I got enough chicken in my freezer. I don't have to buy chicken for a year, uh, whatever it is, you know, and it's, it's there and you're like, I, I did it. For those who aren't aware, Ben does do a homesteads and homeschooling podcast that is top notch. Uh, he has great guests. I would actually bring it up this week because his guest last week was the B guy and holy crap was that episode just amazing to listen to like I learned so much in that episode dude that that guy is Dave Dave Hunter Crown Bees um go check him out it's amazing he's got so much information in his head floating around and I think he's done some like talks like like real like educational type talks and stuff and it's just fascinating he he really is like he's one of those individuals that if you want to ask him questions about it he will give you his time and he will educate you because that is what's like important to him you know Oh no, dude! I got and it was it was probably the most dense learning episode of yours I've ever I've ever heard, and it was also simultaneously like super entertaining to listen to because yeah. that dude was just going off about <laughs> about fucking bees, like just just going off. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't even realize there was just so many types of bees, and he's just he's <laughs> going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, apparently America is just bees wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's funny. Cause I remember there was that, uh, that lady who never came back to do, do her podcast about, uh, I was looking at like 
environmentalism from the, that left angle, uh, very just SJW. And she did an, an episode on like honeybees being bad and, and, but it was more, they were bad because like it was European holdover, you know, and it's like, they were racist kind of thing. Oh, you're, you're talking about our girl, aren't you? Yeah. I forgot her name now. It's been so long, but, uh, yeah, and it, it's true. You know, like honeybees are, I don't know, they have their place, but it's not the end all be all, but yeah. Well, everyone go check out Ben's podcast, Homesteads <laughs> and Homeschools. And uh, other than that, thanks for listening to us this week. Yeah. Go out and uh, make the world beautiful or something. Yeah, grow something. You know what you shouldn't do? Don't think about murdering people that throw trash out of their windows while driving. No, no. This is bad. I have been doing it multiple times this week. I don't know. Uh, it's that public land. You can't, you can't tell anything. Can't can't do anything. Like I'm 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 against the death penalty. <laughs> I am very against. What do you want to say? It uh, capital punishment of any kind. Like I don't can't think of anything that uh, warrants you know death. Like I will listen to someone. I will hear them out on why they murdered somebody. Yeah, there's there's a few places I may go where it, it would be you know. But I'm completely okay with just being able to shoot someone in the face for throwing trash out of their driver's side window in, in the middle of like driving. Yeah. Like I just, that's, that's completely okay in my book. It's a scummy thing to do, you know? I don't know why that seems worse than murder to me personally, but it does. <laughs> We've covered this before on the show, if you're not aware, folks. We have, yeah. It's a thing I have to fight daily. It's one of those things, you know, I think when you like weigh the difficulty of getting the trash to a trash can versus like just tossing it out your window, I, I think that's what just really like riles me up about it, you know? Like how how, how lazy can you be? How how Set it on your passenger side right? seat until you get home. Yeah. There's a cup holder. Yeah. Like it's not difficult. No. I don't know, man. Different strokes. Maybe that's their, their thing. Like a two-stroke engine I'm going to use to fire up my <laughs> fucking chainsaw and chop them up. I don't know. All right, folks, I've, I've gotten dark enough for this podcast. Y'all go and have a good one. podcast is a proud creation of the Mad Audio Lab. For more information, check out madaudiolab.com. Free Market's Green Earth is part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out Homesteads and Homeschools, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and This Week in Liberpods. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican.